Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Look for AZ Adopt Podcast. In our last podcast, we talked about sharing motherhood. In this podcast, we're going to be talking about sharing fatherhood. According to AdoptiveFamilies.com, Quote, unquote, the good news is that recent research debunks many of the myths that once stigmatized openness. Children in open adoptions have no confusion as to who their parents are, and birth mothers do not have trouble moving on. This was an an important quote I found, um, and it was in Understanding Open Adoption, the Pros and Cons from AdoptiveFamilies.com, because I think it, it is a little generalized in the aspect where it says birth mothers do not have trouble moving on. That's not true across the board, but I think open adoption really helps because it it keeps them in their child's life. And one thing that's important to remember is birth fathers are part of the adoption, whether they are directly or indirectly involved is their own choice. Birth fathers have feelings, thoughts, and emotions regarding adoption of their baby. There are both similarities and differences in sharing fatherhood between the birth father and the adoptive father. So in the last podcast, we talked about sharing motherhood. And while sharing fatherhood is equally as important, it's not the same, just like a a mother and a father are not the same. Mm -hmm. They both offer, uh, you know, the mother is often the nurturer and the caretaker and, and the father is often, you know, the disciplinarian and the provider. And so, you know, just going back to the old school, what what used to be the roles um, and obviously over time, those have since changed. Sure. But again, the relationship when it exists, because it's not as common between a birth father and an, ad- an adoptive father maybe also influenced by external and internal factors. So again, internal factors are feelings, preconceived ideas, and perceptions. And both the birth father and the adoptive father can be influenced by the ability to understand adoption from each other's perspective. Again, trying to put yourself in in the other person's shoes. That doesn't mean you're going to successfully do it, because I don't know that anybody can, mm-hmm. but just trying, give it a valiant effort. 
do the best that you can to try to understand where they're coming from. The ability to have confidence in their own adoption decision. You know, for birth fathers, the ones that I've spoken to when they're struggling with their adoption choice, a lot of the time it is because they feel like they failed to provide. They feel like they, they failed. And rather than looking at it as a selfless decision, they look at it as a failure. And right. so again, one of the goals of our podcast is to change that perception. It's not a failure. It's a choice. You can take a situation that is not going in the right direction and we can turn the Titanic around. You know, we don't have to hit the iceberg. Right. And so that's the beauty of adoption. Um, from a, an adoptive father standpoint, he may also be second guessing his adoption decision and not be as confident. Maybe he is, you know, concerned that, that the child doesn't look like him and that there's going to be lots of questions and then people are going to know that he wasn't able, maybe if, if there was a biological reason that, that he chose to adopt, that he wasn't able to biologically have a child with his spouse. Maybe he feels like a failure because he wasn't able to do his part in becoming a father. And again, these are things that can be resolved in counseling so that um, they can do the fatherhood dance, which is kind of funny because I know two men dancing together in most cases is not something, you know, that's not as commonly looked upon as two mothers as that were dancing. Two women having a dance together, yes. right. Yes. Uh, both the birth father and the adoptive father need to have a strong understanding as well of what adoption is and understand that it's not co-parenting. I think there is also a huge misconception that women are not as competitive as men. And I think women are, are every bit as competitive as men. And if you're looking at stereotypes, men may be more outwardly, um, obvious about their competitiveness and you know an example of that would be um my adorable husband loves football so much that uh when his team is not doing well he feels that if he shouts loud enough from the couch at the tv they will hear him and, oh, and change what absolutely. they're doing absolutely it's a scientific fact the coach actually hears him and will change the plays according to what he says right and so he, he wants to make sure that he does everything mm -hmm. that, so that his team can, can be successful and win. And that would be an example of like the competitiveness of right. it. Um, and, and I'm, you know, sometimes he is successful and miraculously as he's yelling at the TV, they, they listen and they do what he says and they're successful. Um, and maybe other times I think our neighbors can just, just hear his, his, uh, instructions so. <laughs> your poor neighbor uh, <laughs> well they're learning a lot about football so there's a plus there you go there's a plus. see the bright side yes uh for birth fathers from my perspective whether or not they're going to have a positive relationship with an adoptive father is going to basically boil down to one main aspect and that is their perception of respect if they feel that a birth, that an adoptive father is respecting them and has respect for them and is exhibiting respect, that's the key. Okay. Hands down.
that is the key. The minute they feel disrespected, it's like shoots and ladders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like shoots and ladders. You know, at that point you, you know, you've gotten all the way to the top and then you get that long, long slide where you're all the way back to square one. And uh, you're going to have to climb up all those ladders again, because that can, that can damage everything. Again, birth fathers have to understand the adoption process, how this works. When you, you know, men also, and, and I'm not trying to stereotype, but sometimes it appears that men are more prideful in certain areas than, than women are. You know, when, I'm, again, I'm going to use my adorable husband as a, an example. You know, he, he's very prideful when his team wins and that is a big deal. And if his team doesn't win, then he's not very happy. I mean, I remember one year when his team wasn't doing well and he has his keys on the lanyard and he took off the lanyard and he put the lanyard in the drawer. And, and I asked, I said, is that your way of like punishing your team that now you're not going to carry their lanyard? And he just said, you know, no, that he just, he just didn't want to carry it right then. He was just not happy. And that was important to him. And sometimes birth fathers don't want to ask questions about the adoption process because they don't want you to think they don't understand it. And so the best way to approach that as an adoption entity is to over-explain. Even if they already know it, keep right. talking. It doesn't hurt to hear it again. Uh, also, what can affect their relationship with the adoptive father is the relationship that the birth father has with the birth mother. And this is important because if they are not together and they have a very conflict-ridden relationship, mm -hmm. then they, he may not want anything to do with the baby. Therefore, he wouldn't have a relationship with the adoptive father. And it, it may really cause conflict because he doesn't want to be around her. And even independently, he may not want to, to have any connection. So it just, it just depends. The perception of his friends and family also weigh in. Again, some men are very proud and they don't want to be questioned on their choices. And when their family or friends asks them questions about their baby and about the adoptive father, he may feel like he is put on the spot and has to answer. And again, as we said before, just because somebody asks you a question doesn't mean you have to answer. He also may need to address his feelings, if he has any, of feeling like a failure or the inability to parent and that therefore they're selflessly choosing to place the baby for adoption. But again, those are things that need to be addressed in counseling and they can be overcome. One thing that is important to point out for adoptive fathers is also if they were unable, like we stated, to biologically have a child with their spouse, they need to make sure that that grief is, has been resolved to the best of its ability. And again, counseling and some men don't want to go to counseling, just like some women don't want to go, but it really does help. And it's there for a reason. The am I good enough internal question that so many of us have asked ourselves as parents is something that an adoptive father may have going through his head when he is around a birth father 
meaning if they have an open adoption and he is interacting as a parent, he may feel some level of, of competition with him in the sense that, you know, am I, am I strong enough? Am I teaching him to be a man? You know, have I had him watching me change the oil in my car? And have I thrown a ball enough with him? And it just really making sure that he's, he's the father that he wants to be. And then also understanding that although he is the baby's father, there was another father that loved him first. And just respecting and understanding that is really important. So before we go into external factors, there was a question I said that I had for you. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to wait and ask you on, on air because I think that you and I have both been very open about our thoughts and our feelings and our, our experiences you know, in life. And you have openly shared that you and your ex-wife had had um, undergone an abortion previously. Right. And if you had chosen a different path, and chosen adoption rather than abortion, and you had had an open adoption, do you think that you would have been able to share fatherhood and do the father dance? That's a tough question because we're also looking back at when I was, you know, 20 years old. And it's a lot of what ifs, yeah. Absolutely. And the thing is, looking at it now, I would think, yes, I would absolutely do that. But would I, would I have then? It's hard to say because I wasn't mature. I wasn't, I, now I'm not saying that I wouldn't. I'm just saying it's hard to say. I, I think I would have, and I would love to say, you know, definitively, yes, that's what I would do. I would be there. I would, uh, you know, look at the adoptive father as almost a friend of mine. You know, I would try and develop that relationship with him and and see how he's raising the child that, you know, we brought into the world. I hope I would be, would have been that way. I mean, obviously it wasn't to be that way, unfortunately. But, uh, and I think a lot of it, like you had said before, is in the relationship with the birth mother, i.e. my ex-wife. And at the time, you know, we were together and we stayed together for quite some time after that. Um, So I believe the more I look at it, yeah, I think I would be the type of father that would want to be involved in this process. What do you think some of the struggles just, and again, these are all what ifs, but what do you think some of the struggles that you may have had if you were in this if you were in, in these shoes. It's interesting because, you know, obviously not having gone through this process, um, again, it's very hard to say, but everything you've been kind of touching on through this episode, I've really taken to heart and thought about because men are very, I mean, myself included, we're actually pretty fragile creatures for always presenting ourselves to be strong and, you know, I'm the master of this domain and all that, but we're really pretty fragile. Somebody's acceptance of me is so important deep down that those are the kind of things that like, you know, if the uh, adoptive father wouldn't look at me as somebody he respected, boy, that would, 
that would just shoot straight to my heart. And, I, and again, we talked about in the last episode, a lot of that is perception, not necessarily true. You know, if I saw that he was treating me some way and I would just kind of automatically go to, oh, he doesn't like me. He, he doesn't think I'm a man or whatever it is, you know. So a lot of these issues that you brought up really are exactly the kind of things that I think I would struggle with in that. Do you think that you would have a hard time sharing? I don't think so. Um, now, if we're talking French fries, I have a tough time sharing. When we're talking a child and I do think, especially now, you know, I'm, I'm older, I'm 51 and I've got a different perspective than I did back then. But I feel like my main focus would be the benefit and, and the ultimate, uh, you know, success of the child. And I think I would work hard. And I've always been that way, even with my own son. I've thought, okay, I've got to make hard decisions that are just for the benefit of him. And they, they are hard to make and they're hard to stick by and say, okay, I've got to punish him for whatever it is. Or I've got to teach him the value of a strong work ethic. Those things, you know, they're they're very tough decisions at times. And I, I, so yeah, I think that I would be able to share for the betterment of, of the child. Thank you. And thank you for uh, agreeing to answer and not. Oh, I'm just going to edit this out anyway. So don't worry about it. (laughs) (laughs) So looking at external factors for birth fathers, ultimately the loss of control and power that he has over the child is something that he cannot control. But what he can control internally is how he processes that and how he handles it. So that one is kind of a twofold. Mm -hmm. If the birth father is included in the post-adoption communication agreement and he follows it, again, that is going to help him be successful in obtaining and sustaining a relationship with the adoptive father. Uh, Define stereotypes. And I put these as external because a stereotype is not something that somebody internalizes. It's something that is projected onto them by those around them or maybe by actions that they take. So sometimes Uh, Birth fathers have been looked at as troublesome or uncaring or obstructionist or irresponsible. And by doing the opposite, he's not only going to gain credibility from the adoptive family and his own child as the child gets older, but he is going to pave a way for other birth fathers behind him to dissolve these incorrect and preconceived stereotypes. The pressure from friends and family need to go away. Again, what you choose to do in the best interest of your baby is nobody's business, but you and the mother of that baby. And if you've made an adoption choice and you want to have an open adoption with the adoptive parents, the questions and the pressure, you know, Have you heard from 
the adoptive family today? Have you, can I see the latest picture? How long has it been? Why have they waited so long to send you pictures? Why that's an older picture. What is now? Mm. Why is he wearing shorts? It's October. Why is he not wearing those kind of things? That's not helpful. That's not helpful. Um, if the birth father feels included about important life events, again, that is critical in having a good relationship with him. So if you can imagine, uh, I had a younger brother growing up and I still have a younger brother, but growing up, I had a younger brother. And when I would have friends over and we would play and my brother would want to play with us and we did not want him to play with us. So the more we pushed him out, the more he struggled to get in. And so finally we realized that if we gave him like a small role to play in what we were doing, he was less of a bother. And then if we kept trying to push him out mm -hmm. and so, um, you know, a birth father is neither a bother or anything like that, but by excluding him from the adoption, you're going to have somebody who's banging at the door possibly right. rather than including somebody. And I'm saying that because sometimes adoptive parents really want to focus on the birth mother, but there's a dad out there. Yeah. And if that dad wants to be a part of the adoption, let him in. For adoptive fathers, pressure and questions from friends and family, stop, yeah. stop, stop. Especially questions about the biological connection to the child. When men have a boy, I have seen, even with my husband, this sense of pride in calling their son, son. Mm -hmm. And it always makes me smile because... I, I don't see the same response when women look at their daughter and say daughter, you know what I mean? Like it's not, <laughs> you don't get the same, you know, like strength, like daughter. But you get a different kind of thing because I'll give you an example. Just last night we were trying to test out some audio issues. And so we did a preview of our zoom call and your daughter was in the room there and you two were just like, you were sitting on the bed and she was leaning against you and just the pride in her eyes and yours too. But when she said, oh, we look alike, I thought that was one of the sweetest things. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing, but the mom version. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The mom version. Yeah. Yep. And we had a great night. So that was good. That was lovely. Uh, so the questions about the biological connection, when, when an adoptive dad calls his son, son, mm -hmm. from an adoptive professional's standpoint, mine, I would say, I don't want to speak for anybody else, mm -hmm. um, that solidifies the, that unity in, in my mind, like that, that is the ultimate acceptance and states it. And I, I know that when, uh, we have a, we've talked about, we have a blended family and my youngest son is nine. And when my husband refers to him as son, it makes me smile just as big because again, it is the recognition of the relationship of the two of them together. One other important 
aspect is as the child grows up and adoptive fathers have to weather the questions from the adoptee and terms are used like real, like my real father, or that is really hard for adoptive parents in general. I have seen more men struggle with the, the term real because real is relative. And if you can just remember that as an adoptive dad, real is relative. Change the term to biological because a father is not just about biology. And again, uh, it is that the term real is thrown around a lot, not just with adoptees, but even with friends and family, you know, what about his real father? Well, what about his real mother? Well, what about his stop? Real is relative. Go with biological. Again, sometimes we're using words in society that are so harmful and hurtful and we don't even realize it. And so again, that is where we are bringing down the walls of adoption so that we can avoid this. I don't know that everyone realizes that some people, as you said, are, are, are emotionally fragile. And one statement or even one word can ruin somebody's day. And although you're not responsible for the way somebody feels when you say something, you should take responsibility for what comes out of your mouth if it is not kind and positive and helpful. And if you're saying something and you don't even realize that it is hurting somebody else, then by listening to this podcast or sharing this with somebody else, maybe you can help pay it forward. There were some interesting quotes that I found um, about adoptees and their adoptive fathers. And I, I found them to be very different than the quotes that we read from birth mothers. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there's not as much uh, research data publicity on birth fathers as there is birth moms, and that needs to change. So as we're looking at these, I thought these were just amazing. So do you want to read the first one, Ron? Johann Friedrich von Schiller said, it is not flesh and blood, but the heart which makes us fathers and sons. And I like, and that goes to what you were just saying about, you know, real father. Absolutely. So. It was at St. Mary's that I met and learned to love the greatest man I'd ever known. He was the father I needed. He taught me to read, write, and the difference between right and wrong. And this was stated by baseball legend Babe Ruth on his adoptive father, Brother Matthias. These are giving me chills. Uh, Gerald Ford said, Dad and I had the closest, most intimate relationship. We acted alike. We had the same interests. He had so much love for me. And by the way, in I just said his name. In case people were wondering, Gerald Ford used to be our president back in the 70s. So <laughs> if you were wondering who Gerald Ford is. Right. And he was describing his relationship with his adoptive father. Right. I guess I forgot to mention Which that. Which is so well. important because people are, there's so, adoption is interwoven so much in our mm -hmm. culture and society. And I don't think we as a society realize or recognize how much. Nelson Mandela said something beautiful. He said, they brought me up as if I were their own child. They worried about me, guided me, and punished me, all in the spirit of fairness. I never doubted their love. 
We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112, or you can reach us on our toll-free number at 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and help you get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan, or just give you more information. Check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by looking for AZ Adopt Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, make sure to rate and review us on whatever platform you use to listen to us. Birth Mother Matters and Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Thanks go out to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.